buying these smaller multifamilies and things, you're usually not taking that cash flow though, right? You kind of have to keep that cash flow in the property for renovations and things like that. So it can be very hard to accumulate a big enough portfolio that you can reach that level of financial freedom where your your passive income covers your um, all of your expenses, hey there. right? I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why? Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Jake Burhans. Jake is a real estate entrepreneur who owns and operates two separate companies. His QA Home Buyers, he's on a mission to empower communities by providing solutions to homeowners looking to sell their properties. And then in addition, Maple Birch Properties uh, as an active real estate investor with holdings in the New Hampshire area. And as we discussed before recording, we're both UNH alumni, many years apart, but uh, interesting connection. Jake, first, let me just say thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for taking this time out today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Excited to come on. Anytime I can come on podcasts and talk about my why and mindset and business, it's, um, it's always a good, good session for me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, why don't you just tell us your background, let the listeners know, you know, kind of how you, where you started, how you got into real estate, kind of the, the story. Yeah. So the story, um, I was an athlete growing up my whole life, played hockey, super serious about it. The classic case of getting hurt. Um, after college, I played in this league called junior hockey, which is where you'd go before college, but ended up hurting my knee and just decided to go to college. It was largely lost for a little bit because so much of my life was dedicated to hockey, just 24 seven training. It's just so much of my time. So, um, a little bit of a figuring it out period, red, rich dad, poor dad, kind of like everyone did. And that kind of set me off on my real estate journey. Met my now business partner freshman year in Stoke Hall, which I'm sure you're still familiar with. Because I think that was built in like the um, that was built way back. Blast but, from the past. <laughs> yeah, blast from the past. There, he he actually lived across the hall. Didn't really know him that well for the first few years, but um, after he he gave me Rich Dad Poor Dad, I started to like. I kind of was like his intern, honestly, at first, and started to just learn anything I could. Uh, and then we slowly got into wholesaling real estate. Um, which we can get into the specifics of that. Um, and since then, we've gone, we've been full time. We did it part time for a couple of years, real estate, probably three years we've been in it for total. He was a little bit longer, but um, full time in the here for the past 15 months, just growing, scaling the business, looking to automate it, um, get out of it, and then go focus on acquiring more, more properties for buy and hold. <clears throat> it's kind of the, the vision as of now, but it's constantly evolving, you know? Your yeah. why is constantly evolving. It's, it's wild. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's, I'm always very interested when I hear people at, you know, high school, college or whatever, got a hold of rich dad, poor dad, or got introduced to real estate in some way. Um, I, I don't remember anybody talking about any of that stuff when I was in college, but it's obviously like some people get that introduction. And I think that, um, you know, getting that at a, at a young age is super important when, when that, like, how did that happen? Like what, I mean, he gave you rich dad, poor dad, but how did your, your partnership evolve, you know, starting in the beginning and then, and then where it went from there? It's a really good question. Um, 
We've learned a lot in regards to partnerships. And I think it's important. There's three main things you want to make sure you're aligned with in your partnership. It's one is role responsibilities, making sure you have a natural yin and yang. Um, you need to have similar values as a person, right? So similar things that you, you value in life. Uh, and then you have to be on the same mission, right? You got to be in the same boat, rowing the same direction. You might not be doing the same things in the boat, but you're, you're on that same direction. So he gave me the book. It's interesting because before COVID in 2020, I didn't read at all, never read. Right. And I, and I could never really be alone either. I always wanted to be with my friends or be doing things when COVID hit it kind of forced me into solitude. And then I really enjoyed being by myself. I started to get into reading and, and, and all these things. So it was a few months after that, that he gave me the book. So I was kind of in this, this, uh, mood of just like wanting to read everything. I was like, Oh yeah, rich dad part let's do it. Um, and I'd never really grown up around money. Like we were never off, like, uh, bad off. Like we were probably lower middle class, you know, but we never had like a ton of money, just kind of barely got by. I'd always wanted to, to do something that would give me a lot of money. And hockey was that avenue, right? If I made it to the pros, yeah, you make millions, millions of dollars. Um, and I had kind of dug into stocks and stocks didn't really do it for me. I was like, it just doesn't make sense for me that I need to wait till I'm 70 to get my money. Like what if I just, I want to have money before that. I don't want to wait till I'm 70. Yeah. So this yeah. idea of of real estate really hit for me from a financial perspective. Right now, it's obviously evolved into things outside of that, but um, that's what really kind of stuck with me. And then it's funny because he was working, another guy from UNH, Axel Ragnarsson, who's a, a big um, kind of accomplished investor. Um, yeah. Isaiah was working under him um, <clears throat> for a few years. So Isaiah was like, hey, I need some help responding to emails. So initially, I, like junior year, uh, I was in there like, responding to emails for Isaiah. Like I didn't even know, I wasn't even comfortable responding to the email. I would like send it to Isaiah. He'd look over the email and then send it back to the investor. So I was like doing anything I could for Isaiah for like a while just to kind of learn. And then slowly I would like gain knowledge. I'd still say he, he, he knows more than me obviously, but um, it eventually got to a point where uh, he was still doing the multifamily stuff. And I had figured out oh, this, this world of wholesaling real estate. I, I came across a podcast like, dude, this is it. This is wholesaling, right? Which is essentially, direct to seller marketing. It's sourcing off market real estate investment deals. Uh, what you essentially do is you're selling contracts. So you get a contract for like hundred K maybe the property is worth 250 all fixed up. Uh, what you do is you would sell that piece of paper to maybe someone who's got to fix and flip it for like 110 and you make a $10,000 spread, still plenty of meat on the bone for the fix and flipper. Fix and flipper is like HGTV, right? Those houses where they do flip or flop, whatever those, those shows are. Um, but essentially that's how we got into wholesale and and this is a really interesting point as well is we were doing so many different things at first, right? So the partnership has definitely evolved. We were both doing acquisitions in the beginning because we didn't really have any traction and it didn't really matter. But we were, we were realtors. We were trying to wholesale and we we're trying to buy and hold multifamily. We we're doing essentially three different things. And if anyone knows anything about like the one thing, Gary Keller and trying to get traction, you really need to focus all your efforts onto one avenue. You're going you're gonna to be spinning your tires. So we eventually just slowly whittled it down. Took, took being a realtor off our plate. Then we were, we were just doing multifamily and wholesaling. Isaiah was doing acquisitions for multi. I was doing acquisitions for wholesaling. We still weren't in complete alignment. And then um, really earlier in 2023 is when the partnership really is kind of flourishing at its, uh, its highest capacity when he decided to take on the kind of integrations role of the business. Uh, so Gino Wickman talks about this in a lot of his books, but um, I think it's in traction, but you have a, a visionary kind of sales, rah, rah, leader kind of right. guy. 
then you have the integrator who is like the back end pulling the strings. He's doing the systems. He's got to implement everything, right? So Isaiah is very good at the systems and very smart and doing all those things. So when he kind of did that, because I would throw these ideas out there, but I would never get too much traction on them, right? So him coming in to yeah. implement and him also doing the disposition side of wholesaling. So once you have it under contract, you have to sell that deal to an investor. It's a whole side. So that way we're, I'm like getting it 50% of the way and he's taking it the other way. So we're not, we're not playing in each other's sandboxes, right? I have my responsibilities. Once it's done, it's off to him, right? So that's the role responsibility. And then the vision responsibility is us both agreeing that, hey, we don't want to stay in this business. We're trying to automate it, hire it out. And then we're going to go buy multifamily after this. So that's our vision um, alignment. And then our goal alignment is very, both hardworking people, very honest, very respectful. We want to operate business in the right way and do good by people and provide good for the community. Um, so we're not like sketchy people or shady individuals. So we, we do business together really well. So that's kind of how it's evolved. I think it started because we had value alignment, right? And we always kind of had vision alignment. And then slowly we, we, we got into role alignment and now we've really been, it's like, even like the past few months we've, we've been talking about it. We've really seen kind of that hockey stick growth. We're like, man, we're like, we're making leaps and bounds right now. Um, versus the whole, all of last year, you know? Yeah. And I, I think a lot of really good points there that partnership is such a big part of real estate investing. Like very few people just kind of do it on their own or or if they do it's probably more of you know kind of a hobby standpoint um and the what you said about you know sort of having aligned aligned vision uh and aligned values but really complementary strengths right so it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to build a partnership or or a business around you know several people that do the same thing they just kind of if everybody's doing the same thing then you're, you're going to, there's going to be pieces missing. So then you've got to look at that overall vision and, and, and plug the pieces in, whether that's with other partners or with hiring. And so, um, I, I, I love what you kind of pointed out there. You're, you were wholesaling, you were, said you were buying multifamily in, and this is all in New Hampshire. Uh, initially it was now we're doing, cause now I live in St. Pete. One of our main markets is Florida and we're actually transitioning out of New Hampshire for wholesale and going more heavily into Florida. And then we're going to be doing North Carolina just because it's so much more dense. There's more deals. There's more buyers to sell the deals to. It's just a better place to do business overall. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, the Carolinas and Florida have been um, pretty tremendous, seen pretty tremendous growth over the last few years mm. too. So I think um, just that creates growth, creates opportunities. I, I mean, I, not knocking New Hampshire. It's just a smaller state. It's with, with uh, oh, yeah. you know, things are a lot more spread out. So, um, I think it, it, it makes, it makes a lot of sense to, to look at, you know, at least expanding to other markets in, from a growth standpoint. Um, you said your idea is to kind of get out of that business, get out of the wholesaling business and then, um, move towards or towards multifamily. That's, I guess your, your, um, combined visions. Mm -hmm. What, so how do you see that looking for you? Like, you know, what do you see as a time frame? Because yeah. it's always good to sort of map these things out, right? And have, you know, kind of a, a plan mm -hmm. of, of how we're going to accomplish goals and, and when. So two things I want to say on that. First thing is, yeah, it's an interesting point of how we came to the conclusion of this vision. Because I think one thing Rich Dad Porta does, is it tells you, hey, let's get, let's get cash flow, passive 
income, right? One thing it doesn't really tell you though is that when you're buying these smaller multifamilies and things, you're usually not taking that cash flow though, right? You kind of have to keep that cash flow in the property for renovations and things like that. So it can be very hard to accumulate a big enough portfolio that you can reach that level of financial freedom where your your passive income covers your um, all of your expenses, right? Um, right. So th- we have come to the mindset of like, let's get rich first and then get wealthy. Instead of just trying to, to slowly buy these properties and accumulate, let's just build a business that kicks off a ton of cash flow. Yep. And then, and then um, as a result, we're going to be paying a lot of taxes. So we're just going to have to buy property anyways. But so that's the first thing, right? So what we're going to have to buy property this year, obviously uh, more, we have 15 units now, but we'll have to buy more. Um, and then we can scale out of it. And then it's an asset just like a multifamily building is. It's an asset. But what asset can give you forty, fifty thousand dollars of cash flow in your pocket every month? Like how, how long would it take you to accumulate that in rentals versus if you could just do it in a wholesale business, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was kind of our mindset. Let's get rich first and then get wealthy. Um, but in terms of the goal, uh, so we started full time. We already had some knowledge when we started at the end of 2022. So it's kind of not fair to judge from that point. Um, we'd already done six, seven deals in college, but we started out with one cold caller at the beginning of 2023. Uh, and by the end of 2023, we had four cold callers and a lead manager. And I was an acquisition manager, like a salesperson closing the deals. Right now we're about to, in the process of hiring a salesperson um, to hire that out. We'll probably get a few of those and then I'll go up to sales manager and then eventually we'll hire a sales manager. So I'm thinking by, we're thinking by mid 2025, we should be large in part out of the day to day. Now we'll probably still be, even if you have a sales manager um, managing your sales reps and your lead and your appointment setters and your cold callers, you're still making high level decisions about where to spend marketing, where to do all those things. So eventually you'd have to hire like a C-suite CEO. Then, then you'd really be like business owner, right? But I think large in part by mid 2025, we're going to be out a significant amount of time every week and we'll really be able to start to focus our efforts on other things. Yeah. And that's, I mean, ultimately that, that really should be your goal in business is to, you know, sort of work yourself out of a job, uh, effectively and, and be putting people in those place. Y- you have to, there's a balance, right? Cause it's, as you mentioned, like the business needs to essentially pay for itself. And it, it I, I had an interesting or was part of an interesting um, sort of webinar last week. And it was just kind of a lot of talk about having your business be financially free just as much as like yourself. And so your business needs to pay for itself, needs to cover, you know, sort of all aspects and be cash flowing before you're going to be able to do some of this, you know, scaling and growth. How did you, I think a lot of people, they get into real estate or they get into a business and they start, um, you know, they start seeing growth and it's exciting. How have you guys managed that growth? You know, it sounds like you've added people. There's, there's that delicate balance of adding and growing and then being able to afford, you know, have the business Mm -hmm. be able to pay for those additional, Mm -hmm. whatever asset, you know, whether it's technology or it's, or it's manpower or whatever the case may be. How did you, how did you balance that? How did you sort of work through those um, challenges that can come up? That's a really good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that. And it, and I don't know if I really have the answer to it. It's, it's a difficult thing. I don't know if I can put my finger on how we've managed it. 
it's something that you it's, it's kind of subjective as you're as you're going along you start to get a feel for it i'd say the most objective answer i could give is when you're starting is having at least six months of expenses in a payroll for a position that you're going to hire right and then once you have say um six months for two positions you can hire two and then three and then four that way you're not like sweating right if you're like only have like a month worth of expenses right. for like three people like that's no you're gonna be you're gonna be so have so much stress right so but i think for us there wasn't a specific like indication of like okay let's move up it was more like okay we had done some deals we had some money in the bank and we just felt comfortable kind of subjectively like okay we can hire another person um we've kind of just slowly worked up um in that sense um so we're always just looking at our monthly yeah. expenses essentially that that that's what we do we'll be okay we're gonna add this position it's gonna increase our monthly expenses this much this is how much we have in the opex account right operating expenditure account um this is how many deals we're getting on average every month do we think that we can bring this on right and it's just a call me and isaiah do we think we can do it yes right well we we need to bring this position on because um it's going to get us to this level right and there's always a certain level of risk in anything right I think that's one of the biggest things as an entrepreneur, as you build the business and you gain experience, business does not get easier. You just get better, right? Your risk tolerance mm -hmm. increases and you're able to handle things and stomach things a lot more than you did when you be, when you be gone, right? Because here's the reality of it. It's like, okay, I go hire a bunch of salespeople and in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to have to close deals anymore, but it's going to be more stress. It's going to be more stress. It's going to be more responsibility. You have more higher level employees. It's just going to be more to deal with, but my skills, my personal development is going to increase drastically and I will be able to adapt to that. Right. Um, and I even, I've even seen it lately. Like I'm managing the cold callers now and stuff that I may be used to not feel comfortable saying now I'm much more stern and just like, Hey, listen, this, this is what it has to be. Right. And I'm very, very straightforward with, with things that I'm trying to communicate. Um, just because my, I'm like, I don't know, I don't even got time to deal with this right now. Like I got so many bigger things with the company. Like yeah. I just need you all to be doing, hitting these KPIs. You know what I mean? So it's just things like that. Yeah. And it, I mean, you, you touched on a lot of things there. You, know, you started by saying you're not, <laughs> didn't know how you did it, but, but I think you did like maybe unknowingly did, you know, what needs to, you know, set, you mentioned KPIs there at the end, like setting KPIs. Th these are the, the metrics that these people you're bringing on. You talked about having um, reserves, right? And I think that I think one of the biggest mistakes, you know, challenges or biggest mistakes that can create challenges is not operating with reserves, whether that's in a business or real estate or whatever it is, you know, and because they're sort of one and the same. Real estate is a, a type of business, but having appropriate reserves for whatever you're trying to do and understanding because it's it, you're not going to have, you know, sort of linear upward growth, you're not even going to have linear flat <laughs> performance yeah. every month, it's just going to be you know, you're going to have up and down and up and down as long as over time, it's, it's an upward trajectory. And as you mentioned, now you guys are at that sort of hockey stick phase where you know, you, you, you probably stayed flat or slight upward trajectory. But now once you get these systems in place and you start to bring people on that can perform those um, tasks and, and duties and, and sort of meet those KPIs that you otherwise couldn't have done it on your own, right? Like if you, you're setting numbers of whatever it is, like numbers of cold calls per week, one person can't necessarily meet the numbers that you need to generate 
the number of leads that you're looking for, it, you know, so that, that trickle down funnel. So um, a lot of what you said there, I think is, is really important stuff for people to understand in terms of, you know, growing a business and, and being, and that's where you go back to that sort of visionary and, and integrator, right? It's, it's, you know, one person is sees, well, I, I see this business looking like this in five years, right? Or three years or two, whatever it is. Well, someone has to make that happen. And a lot of times in the beginning, you might be both of those people, but it is very, many people are not good at both. Like, like I'm very good at seeing things, how I <laughs> vision them, you know, down the road. But sometimes I try to do that. I try to execute that by doing so many different things and doing most of it myself. And it's like, when I, when I started bringing in people to do, to, to build a team and, and, and have integrators around me that that just helps tremendously in terms of being able to you know sort of accomplish those goals and execute the plan that you have in place yeah i think it's a really good point um obviously having the right team because i listen to a lot of alex Hermosi. Um, i'm not sure anyone in the entrepreneur space knows him but he's like when you get to a certain level it's just it's just about people right i mean after you get the systems in place and you understand what needs to be done to get the result that you want. It's just about getting the highest quality people to go do those things, right? The better people mm -hmm. you get, the better you're going to be. And also, yeah, it is interesting, right? Where one cold call is only going to bring in this many leads. If our revenue goal is X, we know we need to have five times as many leads, right? So we need to right. get more cold callers to hit this goal. So it's this classic chicken or the egg where it's like, well, I'm going to have to spend a little bit more money, right? I'm going to take that risk because I know I need to spend X amount to make X amount. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, that's it. That's just figuring out where is, where is the best use of resources, time, money, mm -hmm. people, whatever it is. And, you know, if, if you're, looking at, I mean, I think especially in, and I, and I correct me if I'm wrong, I've never actually done wholesaling myself, but, but it's, it's effectively a marketing game, right? You need to find oh, you yeah. need to market to potential sellers and there, so you need as many leads as possible there. And then, and then on the back end, you gotta, you gotta market it to, to investors that are going to buy those deals that you get under contract. So they're, you know, sort of, doing both, you know, going in both directions and, and ultimately just, just finding. And I, well, this is, a, this is a good question for you, Jake, is it, I, I would imagine that those two ends of that marketing cycle are different, right? Like the marketing to, from a cold calling st standpoint, it's probably very much about volume. And then you've, you've got to have mm -hmm. a closer, but like very much about volume. But I would think on the other side, it's, it's, maybe volume, but maybe more so relationships and tell me, I mean, give me your take on, on what you think. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's really just a marketing and sales business and real estate, yeah. just the product, right? It's not even about real estate. It's about, right. for one, it's about solving problems for people. So it's more about the people than the property anyways. Um, but it's just marketing and sales. That's honestly one of the reasons I love it is because these skills that we're learning now too, are going to be so transferable just to other businesses in general. So learning about how to, how to market to people, how to, how to, manage leads when they come in, how to follow up with leads, how to close leads, right? Um, and then operations and all those things. But yeah, the marketing is different. For cold calling, it's an absolute numbers game, right? Because there's effectively two forms of, uh, or general categories of uh, marketing, right? So you have outbound marketing, which is cold calling, texting, emailing. When you're, when you're reaching out to people, those are less hot leads, right? Because 
they could be interested, but they might be eight months, six months, four months, two months out, right? Um, so you have to do a lot of follow-up versus when you pay for marketing, like inbound, this is Google pay-per-click, right? Direct mail, TV, things like that. People are calling you saying, hey, I'm ready to sell my house. Obviously, their timeline's sooner, not as much follow-up. You can get more one-call closes. So depends on the type of marketing, but we do mostly cold calling. So yes, it's a numbers game, filtering, following up. Now on the back end, right, trying to find those buyers, it, it's definitely relationships. I'd say the key difference is it's much more hardcore negotiation, right? Mm -hmm. But it is marketing too. It, it, it's a big marketing role because you have this deal. Maybe it's not the hottest deal in the world, but you have to be able to market it to entice people to want to buy it. Oh, it's right near Hyde Park. It's the most up and coming part of Tampa Bay. They have all these things. There's a new development going on over here. So you almost have to do a little bit of research and be more strategic um, and more of a sniper yeah. versus you're just a machine gunner when you're cold calling because you're just like trying to hit everyone, right? But on the back end, when you're trying to sell this deal, you're, you're doing a little bit of research and you're being much more articulate with what you're t saying and targeted trying to bring in that buyer. So it is two, definitely two different styles of marketing. Um, yeah. And then also on the, on the back end, the sales is different. Sales on the front end, more empathy, holding the seller's hand, caring about them. Sales on the back end is pretty cutthroat, especially if you're dealing with investors, other investors. Like um, it's more hard nosed. People are just going at it. I mean, it's B to B versus B to C. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's um, like you said, solving people's problems. You know, the people that are that those sellers, their their problem is they need to get out of their house for whatever reason. Right. There's there's something yep. that that's um, motivating them to to sell their house at a discount. That that's ultimately what you're looking for. And and you know, people. This this maybe goes to the mindset piece, but you know, people that from the outside looking in and, you know, you know, they see, uh, they hear real estate's a great investment, blah, blah, blah. But like, why would anyone ever sell me my house for, you know, 50% of what it's actually worth? Why don't they just do yeah. this? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, the why is what you have to figure out why they, mm -hmm. why they would do that is the whole point. Like that's, that's your, you know, as you said, like mm -hmm. that's your B2C, like you're, you're, you're marketing to them to figure out how you can solve their problems. But the fact is it happens. And so, mm -hmm. you know, there's people, people out there all over the country wholesaling properties. And if they're not wholesaling, they're, they're finding these properties at a discount and doing the flips themselves or they're, you know, they're, they're, and, and the reality is it happens and people have struggles and they need help getting out of from under that property for whatever reason. Right. And so it's, it's kind of recognizing and having that mindset that it's a, um, you are providing a service to them and, and it's it, some people look at it like, I don't know, robbing them or something like, but it's like, yeah, well, here's, like, here's the best way I can explain it. Cause this is the biggest hang up with, with wholesaling, right? People are like, you guys are stealing these houses, getting them for nothing. How do you do this? This is how I can explain it, right? You can have price or you can have speed and convenience. We're the speed and convenience play, right? Yeah. We are doing deals with probably six to 10% of the market of a hundred people that want to sell their house. We might do deals with six or 10 of them, right? And this is, this is the best analogy I have for it. You're driving down the road, you want a bottle of water. You stop at the gas station, you pay three bucks for a bottle of water, right? For the convenience. Mm -hmm. You know dang well, you could go to the grocery store, get a package of waters, and that water probably costs you 30 cents, right? But you yeah. said, no, I'm gonna choose the convenience of getting this water bottle right here, and I'll, I'll pay a premium. Same thing with wholesaling. I know I could get more money. I want the speed and convenience, so I'm willing to sell it at a discount 
And why typically do they want the speed and convenience? Because X, Y, and Z problem, which we're also solving, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're just coming in, offering, getting the house. No, there's things we got to take care of. We got to move people out. We got to get them to Texas. We got to pay for their moving costs. We got to talk to the daughter. The daughter's just an absolute nutcase. We got to talk to the daughter and get her on board with selling it and then call the brother and get him on. It's like mm-hmm. all these things that are going on, right? No one wants to deal with that. Realtors don't want to deal with that. Fix and flippers yeah. don't want to deal with that. You know what I mean? They just want the deals. So there'll always be a value for wholesaling in the marketplace. But I think that's the biggest thing is we are going after people who are willing to trade price for speed and convenience. I was literally on the phone to sell today. I was like, hey, listen, um, she's selling a multifamily property. Talking to a realtor, I'm like, hey, if you want the most money for it, you should just go list the property. That's not us, mm-hmm. right? We can be convenient for you. We can give you the easiest transaction. It's not going to be the most money, right? But we can get in there. We can have minimal showings, right? We won't be disturbing the tenants a ton. We won't ask you to do anything to it but it's not going to be the highest number, right? So you're upfront about those things. Right. like you're pulling the wool over anyone's eyes, but I think that's just kind of the, the general, give people a general idea of, of that. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, the water analogy. I mean, there's so many things that like, <laughs> that people do out of, for that, for speed and convenience, not even necessarily speed all the time. Like look at, look at DoorDash, mm-hmm. like all the, all the food yeah. delivery services, like it's, it would be way less money for you to go to the to the store, whatever you know, DoorDash, uh, Instacart, all those, it would be way less money for you to go do these things yourself. So much less money, yeah. But and and sometimes faster. Like quite frankly, like I can get to you know uh, some you know fast food restaurant or whatever, get my meal myself faster than I will get it through DoorDash and for less money. But do I do that? No, that's the because and and there's no accountability through DoorDash. Like you get the wrong order. Sorry. Like here's a couple bucks back. Like, but, and, and people do it all the time. So it's like, it's all the same stuff, right? Like you, you pay for convenience. Uh, and we have your, that's what you're doing with, with wholesaling. That's what people are doing when they're, uh, you know, buying, buying properties, under market value, it's it's exactly that speed and convenience. I, I love that analogy, and it's like, you know, we're, you know, carry on the, the water. You know, if you're at a sporting event or a uh, um, concert or something like that, and someone wants a beer and they pay twelve dollars for it, like that's because that's what it like. You're still do you still do it, and it's just like the go wait in line for a long time. I mean, it's just people will do things because it's what they want at that moment. And ultimately that is what wholesaling is. Someone needs the property gone at that moment and you're taking care of that problem for them for whatever the reason is. Yeah. And not to mention too, that majority of these properties need a ton of work, right? Right. So what, and what does that mean when they need a ton of work? A bank will not lend on this property. So no one can just come in and buy this property. They have to come in and pay cash. Who's paying cash? An investor, right? So majority of these properties need right. significant work, right? And, and I think it's honestly a ridiculous question. Why don't you do it yourself? Because they're not in real estate. They're not a contractor. They can't go spend right. 80K on a home renovation and do the thing. Obviously, they can't do it, you know, um, yeah. unless, unless they had some sort of experience, right? So that's a lot of, of what it is as well. They're just run down, beat up properties that that need an investor to do it. And on top of that, we're able to come in and and help them with their other needs, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's exactly true. The, why don't they do it themselves? I mean, mean, 
what I think a lot of people don't realize too, is there are contractors that work specifically with investors. And so the contractor that you're going to get from a custom home remodel versus the contractor that you're going to use on a house flip, those are two different people. They have two different business models. The, the, you know, flippers it's, it's, again, we're back to that, like speed and convenience. Like we need to do this as quickly as possible and appeal to the most people as possible. When you're building a custom home, you take as long as you need to get it exactly the way you want and you, and you pay a premium for that. And that's just, it's just a, a very different, um, it, it really, truly, I, I look at it as like an entirely different business, all within real estate, but still just, just different business models. And, and, um, you know, those are sort of important distinctions. It's like, you know, beating a dead horse a little bit here, but it's like, why would someone use a hard money lender and pay 12% for this loan or whatever the case may be when they could go to the bank and get a 7% loan. It's like, well, cause you can't, you already said that you can't get the yeah. seven, but you can't go to a bank for these type of properties, but also it's going to take way longer. You can get a hard money loan in three days. Like, and it's just, there's, you're never going to have, that's going to take 60 days from a bank. So it's just speed and convenience is, is a perfect way to kind of summarize why these things work and why people, um, you know, take advantage of them, both the sellers and, and, you know, people have built businesses around it. So I think mm -hmm. really some really great points there, Jake. Um, I want to switch gears. I want to get to ask you the questions that I ask every guest. Um, the first one Love is, it. uh, related to the name of the show, of course, being know your why, uh, what is your why you're, you're a young guy, but, um, you know, you've, you've started, you know, kind of got into real estate early on and you, uh, what, what's driving you? I, I think it's, it's, I like this question. I like this question and everybody, obviously I named the podcast, <laughs> no, you're right. but in, in young people, I think sometimes there's, uh, you're going to have different answers than maybe someone like my age where it's like standardly family, but, mm -hmm. um, or children <clears throat> or whatever, but w w what's driving you? What, what is your why, Jake? Um, so, I mean, initially my why was definitely financial reasons, right? And I mean, I think that's being young, being wanting those things, right? And it's not bad to, to want to be, to have, to have money, right? Mm -hmm. And to want to not no. be stressed out by money, right? So right. I think money was a driving factor, but that fades. It fades pretty quick. When money is your driving force, um, I think it fades pretty quick. So now it's not as much about that because initially in wholesale, I'd be like chasing the big checks. Oh my God. Now I don't, even, I don't really care about, about the money as much. It's more about getting my time back. But now what I'm really passionate about this time is going on podcasts, building my real estate community, helping other people get started, right? So helping other people along their journey, making those first steps, seeing people progress, getting the text of, hey, I did this deal, I did that. That's really what like fills my cup energy-wise and I think is my why. And I think I'll always be doing real estate, but I think I'll start to transition into that type of uh, area. Cause I like to speak and I want to talk to people. I want to pour into people and, and motivate people and do those things. So that's more my why, um, I'd say it's just to make as big of an impact as I can. Right. I think we're on this earth to impact other people. Um, and it's so easy to get caught up in doing things for yourself, but, uh, just trying to have the biggest impact that I can, you know, it's like, I was given the gift of these traits that I have, the motor I have, 
um, and everything. So I want to try to put that to the best use that I can, you know? Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, you get plenty of time to help a lot of people. So that's fantastic. Um, tell us something about yourself that isn't common knowledge, special skill, a hobby, anything uh, to let listeners know you better. I know you played hockey, so that mm -hmm. <laughs> it, you, we've already talked about that one. Is there anything else that you want to, uh, share with people to let them know you better? Let me know me better hobbies. I don't know. I, I love business. I love music. My dad's a phenomenal musician, um, guitar. I, I need to get back into it. But, um, one of my favorite things to do is just is driving around. I've always loved driving. Like I love, I used to work construction. I like to drive the big equipment, driving cars, driving jet skis, driving tractors, lawnmowers, whatever. So a lot of times, like on a lot of days after work, I'll get out, I'll just go for a drive, you know, listen to some music oh, cool. and go for a drive. It's one of the most kind of therapeutic things I can do to just yeah. get my mind off things. And that's also why I love, I love cars and stuff. Yeah. Very cool. I, I agree. Sometimes just get, I mean, I live in LA, there's a lot of traffic, but sometimes still it's just like, it's, it's a pretty beautiful scenery that I'm driving through the traffic yeah. and it's, uh, it's just sometimes nice to, you know, put on some music and just get it. It gives you a few minutes to just kind of focus and be, you know, get, get your thoughts, um, you know, settled in your head. So I like it. Um, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way? Um, reach out to me on Instagram if you have it. I mean, I'm on every social, so you can reach out to me, Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube, Jake underscore Burhands. You can find me on Facebook, Jake Burhands. You can find me on LinkedIn, Jake Burhands. So I got pretty much hits all of them. I'm not on Twitter, but, um, but yeah, those, those five. So Jake underscore Burhands is my username, or you can just search my name in Google. I should pop up a bunch of places. Perfect. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, final question for you, Jake, what piece of advice would you give to someone who is, uh, they, they hear this, they're inspired by your story and they want to get started in real estate. What would you tell them? Consistency, not intensity. That's what I would say. I like it. Um, consistency, not intensity. I, I, I was the opposite. I'm, I'm the person who will get started something. I'm going to work. 15 hours a day for four weeks and then burn myself out. Right now. Yeah. Right. Nothing, nothing's going to happen that quick. Right. Um, and, and it's like that with anything. You can't go to the gym for nine hours in one day and get, and get in good shape. No, you got it. But if yeah. you go 20 minutes every day for six months, you're right. in shape. Right. But that's yeah. too basic and too boring. No one wants to do that, but that's what it is. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time, doing the consistently basic thing for an uncommonly long period of time without convincing yourself that you're smarter than you are. Right. So choose consistency over intensity, right? Don't, if you're going to go to the gym or you want to read, right? Like I'm trying to build the habit of, of reading again right now because I got out of it. I'm using Atomic Habits. Consistency, I'm doing one page a week. Now I'm up to two, um, two, not one page a week, one page a day for a week. Now I'm up to two pages a day for a week. And I'm going to slowly work my way up to 10 pages a day, right? But I have to earn the right to read more by being consistent. That's the limit I put on myself because because what would happen before is not to digress, but what would happen before is I would, I would sit down to read and Oh, I love reading. I'd read like 20 pages. Wouldn't pick it up yeah. for a month. Right. So now when I, when I sit down, I read one page, I'm like, Oh man, I really want to keep reading. But like, no, I haven't earned it yet. So I have, to, I have to earn it with consistency. And then once I can get to 10 pages consistently, then I'll be unleashed. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is why diets don't work. Right. Yep. Because it's basically, we live a very long time if we're lucky. And if you want to, I mean, this atomic habits talks a lot about this, but like, if you want to be 
a certain type of person, right? You want, you want to be someone who reads, you want to be someone who works out, you want to lose weight, be in shape, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But like you, you want to do this forever. It's not like, oh, I'm going to do this for a month or two months. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, this would, you, you mentioned Alex Ramosi and I'm, I'm a huge fan as well. And, and he said, um, I think he said, get, you know, the, the gist was get good at the middle. He's like in, in business, in marriage, in being a parent, in, in any of these things, the goal is not to finish, right? Like mm -hmm. you don't, you don't want the marriage to end. You don't want to stop being a parent. Like these are things that you want to go forever. So what you need to get good at is being the parent, the spouse, the business owner, and carry that forever and whatever. And it just, it goes along with everything. And it's like, just getting, getting out of the mode of instant gratification and, and find like finding a way to, to enjoy the middle. I, I think it, yeah. it, it goes yeah. along with what you're saying. Phenomenal. It's, yeah. He was talking about it with Chris Willicks or Chris Williamson on it, but he's like, the goal isn't to, to get in shape. It's to stay in shape. Right. You don't just want to right. get in shape. You want to stay in shape, right? right. right? You don't, you don't want to it, reach it, it and then just, okay, I'm done. Like yeah. it doesn't work that way. But that's yeah. what Simon Sinek talks about as well. He calls it the infinite game, the infinite game of business, of marriage, of friendship, of all these things. They're infinite games. You don't win them. You win the games by staying in. That's how you win, right. right? You win business by not going out of business, right? There's no goal that makes you win. You win yeah. your marriage by keeping it alive. You win health by staying in shape, right? So yeah. sustainability, I think, goes hand in hand or synonymously with consistency, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, this has been great, Jake. I really appreciate your time. I, I, I love, you know, uh, hearing your story and everything you shared with the listeners. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it very much. I appreciate it again. Anytime I can get on here, it's the highlight of my day. Awesome, awesome. Folks listening, I know you're gonna get a ton of value out of this. Um, make sure you connect with Jake and um, please like, rate, and review the show so we can get more great guests. Thank you all for listening. Hey there, I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why? 